Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Flex Cortex. Today we are joined by Rachel Kay. Rachel is a kinesiologist, personal trainer, and nutrition coach. She's also the owner of K-Fit Athletics, which is a personal training company run out of Edmonton, Alberta. Today we're going to be talking about her experience in the industry thus far, as well as discuss how she would address some of the exercise progressions and regressions she would do for a client that's new to the gym versus someone who is a little bit more experienced. Let's dive into it. First of all, we just want to thank you for coming on and making the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Awesome, awesome. But I guess to uh, to launch off the questions here, uh, let's tell the listeners about yourself. Where'd you go to school? So I started my degree at McEwen University. I did my first two years there. Um, that was in the KIN program, the transfer program. And then I transferred over to the University of Alberta. So I completed my degree, um, my kinesiology degree last June. So, okay. yeah, that's what I've been doing the last four years or so. <laughs> I actually didn't know that McEwen had the kinese. Yeah, it's, um, they call yeah. it the physical education transfer program, but it's, it used to be called kinese. I'm not really sure why they changed the name, but yeah, it's just like an intro into kinese kind of thing. You can get your first two years, but you always have to transfer over. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think McEwen does a couple of those for like different programs. I didn't know about the kinesiology one either, though. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, not many people know about it. I thought, uh, for some reason, I thought you had to go through U of A. Yeah, I honestly but... I honestly did, too. Um, I didn't find out about this until I already started at McEwen. I actually started in Bachelor of Science. I think that was my first semester I did in Bachelor of Science. And then I transferred into the um, physical activity degree I guess program that they had there how'd you find it overall um overall I really liked it I feel like going to McEwen definitely helped it's smaller classes you get to know the profs a little bit more so they know you by name um but then just like the overall kin program um so good honestly it's so worth it I feel like anybody looking to go into this field would definitely benefit from the program and it's just so interesting especially when you take like the anatomy courses and whatnot like can't get any better than that yeah obviously what we took in PT wasn't as elaborate for anatomy but the anatomy is always super interesting to learn about and the applicability of it all is really nice once you start actually working with clients right definitely I feel like at the start it kind of seems difficult to understand how all of it ties together and if you're actually going to use it in real life scenarios but um, eventually once you're in the field I'm still figuring this out but eventually once you're in the field for a while I'm sure you start to tie everything together a little bit more so it's really cool to see like all your learning and hard work actually being like worthwhile once you're actually in the workforce yeah I found that you will get those aha moments definitely something will happen and then it'll be directly related to something that you learned in school. And then, like you said, it'll actually, in a sense, like pay off and you'll realize why you went to school kind of thing. Yes, exactly. It makes those like really difficult classes worthwhile once you have those aha moments. Totally agree. Yeah, it's uh, interesting because like, you know, everyone when you graduate and like I'm sure you guys felt it with like the personal trainer and like again with kinesiology, but like, you graduate and you're like, I know nothing about my degree. And like those aha moments kind of teach you like, oh, wait, I actually did retain something from what I learned in the last like four years, two years, whatever it was. Right? Exactly. A hundred percent. I felt like um, even just during my practicum, I was like, did I really learn anything in this degree? Like you just you just don't feel qualified whatsoever. But once you get those aha moments, you're like, okay, maybe like, like you said, I feel like you start to be like, okay, maybe it was worthwhile. I actually did retain more than I thought. So you just got to wait for those moments to come, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually it's when you start talking to somebody that doesn't have much experience in the industry, then I find it's really noticeable at that point that you learned a lot. Or if you're able to carry a conversation on with somebody that has experience as well. But I felt the same way coming out of Nate. It was like, 
I didn't feel qualified enough. And then that affects the, the sales aspect too, right? Because people can tell when you're not confident in what you're selling to them. Definitely. I feel like it's a bit of that imposter syndrome, but I feel like it's almost a good thing if you have that feeling once in a while because then you're not overconfident. Has to humble you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. For sure. Very true. Because, like, you know, being in nursing, same sort of thing. Like, the that humility aspect is what keeps your clients healthy and keeps them alive in the cases of more acute settings. So it's, like, definitely important to, like, n- even in the fitness industry, just to check your knowledge and be, like, not overly confident in it, but also, you know, sure enough of yourself to be, like, I can figure out the right answer for you. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, 100%. like, a good balance that you should be aiming for, I guess you could say. I think the biggest thing is just knowing when to refer out. I think that's something that you, like, I've learned over time because, like, I think I've definitely taken on clients that, I probably wasn't qualified enough to take on and I probably didn't service them as good as I could have. But now that I have more experience, I just know when to refer out and to hand them over to somebody else and versus guessing and trying to make them seem like I know what I'm doing with that certain client. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like being comfortable with saying you don't know, like you're not always going to know the answer to absolutely everything. And I feel like the last, um, I guess I've been at, been in this industry like not as long as you have but I found like even at the beginning I was always kind of unsure of certain things and I never wanted to tell a client that I didn't know but the longer I've been in the industry I'm starting to realize that it's like it's okay to not know everything and that it's okay to say I don't know but let me find out for you or let me get back to you on that and it looks so much better than just kind of bullshitting and hoping that you're saying the right thing (laughs) right yeah because it you can just make it sound like uh, if you're kind of just guessing or if you're going off of assuming, then it's going to be giving them false information too, which isn't good either. Definitely. So, yeah, just knowing. And that honestly will mean a lot to them if they look back at it. And sometimes even just having that transparent conversation and just being like, hey, like, I think you need to see somebody else. Um, I think what you obviously need is a little bit more in depth than my skill set is qualified for. And that's totally fine. Definitely. It's just, it's humbling those moments, but like they're so necessary. Yeah, totally. And I think for all of our listeners too, like that's probably one of the biggest tells for if you're talking to a uh, snake oil salesman (laughs) or a scam artist basically versus an expert or someone who's at least a professional is like, I don't know is such a powerful phrase that professionals use all the time because we don't know everything. And if you have someone who's saying they have all the answers and never says, I don't know to anything, then they're probably lying to you at some point in that. There are people who are totally knowledgeable and like do have quite the knowledge base to share with you. But at the same time, like there are limitations to that. Exactly. Well put. Like you said, it's okay to not know, right? It's better to say no. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with it. I feel like it takes a while to like figure that out though. Or like be okay with it even. Like not be uncomfortable with saying like, oh, I don't know, let me get back to you. I feel like it's kind of tough because I feel like after you get a degree or you've gone to school for X amount of years for what your your job is now, like you're supposed to be an expert in this area. But um, yeah, there's definitely nothing wrong with saying you don't know. I feel like people appreciate that a lot more than you just faking it till you make it. I feel like it just comes down to the ego aspect though, right? People typically don't want to let that go and they want to feel like they they know um, when obviously it's better to just say you don't know. And like kind of like you mentioned before, just saying like, I don't know, but I can find out for you or I don't know, but somebody that I know very well is an expert in this field or they have more experience than I do. So I think saying that just shows a lot about your character versus trying to just wing it and taking their money and wasting their time definitely and I feel like it's really refreshing when you um see people act in that way they're like totally willing to refer people out or like oh okay like um I'm really good at what I do but like I have a buddy and he like I feel like that's his expertise so like why don't you go see him or let me get you his card I feel like 
Um, that's just, I don't know, I feel like it's so refreshing when you see that people are able to do that or willing to do that rather than just like keep all the clients for themselves, even if they know um, it's not in the best interest of their client, right? Totally, yeah. And I think like that ties in really well with like, uh, since you have your nutrition certificate, uh, certificate, you know, in Alberta and most of Canada, the registered dietitian kind of takes the, you know, the cake for... Uh, no pun intended for, you know, everything <laughs> oh nutrition related. So like, At least tell us episode. a little bit about, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell us a little bit about like, uh, your education around nutrition. Like what does, what can you, can't you do? Where did you kind of get certified? Yeah. So I took my, um, nutrition certification through precision nutrition. Um, if there's anybody listening right now in the industry that's looking to get their nutrition certification, I highly recommend that one. A few of my peers also took this course and they really enjoyed it as much as I did. I think it was a really well put together course. So um, it's a little bit more money, but I think it's definitely worthwhile. Um, I feel like it took um, like maybe half a year or so to complete if you're like taking your time and really trying to absorb as much of the knowledge as you possibly can. But with that certification, um, just like a kin degree Um, you can work with, I guess you just have to be careful with who you're working with and you have to work within your scope. So you're able to provide nutrition advice and whatnot, but with this certification, you're not able to treat, um, diseases. So if a person has an eating disorder, um, or any type of disease that is out of our scope of practice, but we're able to provide general nutrition knowledge, um, to clients. I was just about to ask. There's a leveling system, right? So Yeah, definitely. Did you just take level one or do you have level one and two? I just took level one. I found that I got all the knowledge I really needed from level one. Level two is more of a... Sorry, my phone is going off. Um, level two is more of like an internship, like mentorship kind of program. So I didn't go for that one, but I would definitely love to take another nutrition course in the future. Um, possibly a course that uh, focuses a little bit more on like nutrition for athletes or whatnot. But yeah, yeah just totally. like broaden, um, broaden my knowledge a little bit more. There's just so much to know. I feel like um, you could take a nutrition course and you're only going to absorb so much. And like you learn a little bit about it during your kin degree, but it's just... It's just so much. There's so much to know. And I feel like when you think you know it all, like you definitely don't. There's always new new research and everything coming out all the time. So it's a lot to stay um, up to date on. But yeah, I definitely would love to take more courses in the future. So if you guys have any courses that you've taken um, that you recommend, I'd love to hear about that. I uh, just finished, or I'm, I guess I'm just finishing a course through Prescript. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jordan Shallow and like the, the, the crew there, this, uh, course was really awesome. goes through, uh, biomechanics, anatomy, um, and then programming as well. So it's 16 weeks, uh, but I would say it's more or less probably a mandatory course for a lot of, um, for people in the industry. Mm-hmm, definitely. And you're liking that one so far? Yeah. Yeah. That one is probably... I don't know. I would argue that I've learned just as much as I learned through Nate. That's actually crazy. That's crazy to think yeah, about. So. I'll definitely have to look into that one. Yeah. yeah. So that one's really good. Uh, I did a barbell course through them as well, um, but I was actually looking into a nutrition course. So it's good to hear that you say good things about PN. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that one. I mean, like like I said, it's a little bit more pricey than some of the other nutrition programs, but I think you get what you pay for, right? And so it's a really well put together course. Definitely would recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I can send you the uh, information for the prescript courses, and then I can you can look into it more yourself. Yeah, that would be perfect. Thanks. No worries. But I guess the next question is, uh, how long have you owned your company for? So I started my company about a year ago. Um, It all started during my practicum. So for our practicum, we had to do a legacy project. 
Um, so yeah, it was mostly the whole project was based around starting my own training, my own training business. So my mentor for my practicum has his own successful training business. And so for the project, he pretty much helped me go through all the steps necessary to build my own training company. So everything from picking the name, getting logos made, um, getting social media, social media started, figuring out pricing, you name it, we did it um, throughout the practicum. We worked on it slowly. And so, yeah, we pretty much went through all of these steps, building the business. And then at the end of the practicum, pretty much all that was left to do was just register my business, deal with some of the legal things involved of starting a new company. But other than that, um, we were good to go. And yeah, I've just kind of been growing the business ever since. And yeah, hopefully it just keeps growing. Awesome. I think we did something similar for Nate where towards the end of our first year, I believe, or maybe it was early second year where they wanted us to actually make like a business Instagram Mm -hmm. um, and then start with that whole process in regards of guiding the direction of where we want our business to go. So I found that that was helpful because that's when I actually made mine. um, And it's been trying to be consistent with it since then. But I had like a personal one before that, but this one is just solely business orientated, right? Kind of like, kind of like for, for yours as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's nice to have um, the two different accounts, like a personal account and a business account. I, I feel like it would get like a little bit confusing sometimes um, meshing the two together, but I think it's really fun to have like the separate business one that's focused around um, health and fitness, just like yours is. I didn't know that that's um, how you started your page, that it was through like a project kind of thing. Yeah, I guess it was kind of more or less through a project through, I guess, Nate. But mm-hmm. um, I actually ended up having some issues with one before that. It got like hacked. <laughs> so <laughs> I had it. to, so, yeah, so I had to make a new one. And then I ended mm-hmm. up just making one strictly just for fitness. And then I do have a private one as well, but it is nice to have those things separate. So then you're able to keep it professional, right? Because otherwise you're posting a bunch of personal stuff onto your business account that people don't really need to be seen or don't want to be seen. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to have that separation and just um, consistency throughout the page, I think, too. Yeah, I think privacy is nice, right? Definitely. Yeah. And like the other thing is for like different professions. So like if you... Um, I know uh, some uh, kinesiologists actually become, I think you guys can do registered kinesiology or something. Yeah. And with like a college. So, you know, a lot of these colleges will have requirements actually of you needing two separate accounts. Like I know um, the College of Registered Nurses in Alberta um, actually will require me not to have anything that relates to nursing in my private account, just because it can reflect on the whole profession if you say something that you know, Karna might not agree with. So keeping it separate is like, um, it just the most efficient way to kind of deal with things, um, from my standpoint, but even for, um, you know, uh, personal trainers who don't necessarily have that requirement from an ethical legal standpoint, it's still just, you know, beneficial to have that separation. So that way, you know, you're saying one thing on your, uh, personal training account, and then you're not having anything that offends clients or, you know, uh, causes complications on your personal account coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I'm not obviously trying to throw shade by any means, but mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of accounts that I think share too much um, considering it's supposed to be a business account. Um, Definitely. I think we've all so seen one I or two of I think people just accounts. need to separate it, right? Yeah, like, and you, like you mentioned before, you have to just know when to separate it and you have to know your your audience and like your demographic and try to in a sense, like direct your content towards that. And I think posting about like all of your partying isn't really going to help, <laughs> but that, but that's just me. Agreed. I totally agree. I feel like it's, um, unless you're not really a big Instagram person, um, like for your personal stuff, then like maybe one account, one account is okay. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like it's just a better move business wise to have separate accounts. And again, like you guys said, like the privacy, it's just, Yeah, it's nice to separate work from, like, your private life. I think it's really important, too. Of course, yeah. And it can be really difficult in that um, context of, like, you know, it's super, not easy, but it's easier to do that 
separation in the physical space. Um, even working from home, like having a separate space where you're doing your office work. Um, it's the same thing with digital spaces that I don't think a lot of people have implemented yet, which is just having that kind of professional separation. Um, I don't know. I think it's important anyway. And I think you guys uh, agree for me for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah, definitely. I found um, the first like few months of starting my business, I was starting to having, a, I was having a tough time separating like my personal life from work life. Um, especially with trying to get the social medias really going. Um, It was definitely taking up a lot of time in my personal life, and I'd find when I'm supposed to be enjoying myself in the evenings, it'll be like 11 p.m., and I'm like on Instagram or like making making posts and whatnot. And so I think it's just like knowing that fine line and being able to separate your personal life from work life. Um, And I think, yeah, it's just like a learning curve, that's for sure. I've been getting better about it, but I think like at the start – there's a difference between like grinding and trying to, you know, push yourself and grow your business and just like completely destroying your personal life, right? Like I feel like you need to have that separation and be able to know like when it's time to work and when it's um, personal time and whatnot. Yeah, like when it's time to shut it off, right? Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's a bit of a learning curve, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like for me, it's been the same thing, like trying to find that balance of how many times a week to post. Um, Obviously, like the constant battle of content to be posting. I feel like that's (laughs) a constant thing. It's not going to go away and that's fine. Um, But then I found like with the podcast too, in early stages, I mean, it is obviously still early stages, but (laughs) uh, when we we first started, I think we were at the point where we were trying to post too much, right? Um, Oh, 100%. And like, at, it was at the point where it was affecting our personal life. Like what you said, we were, it was lots of hours on here, right? It was lots of hours and like the quality was dropping. So we, we decided to make the step to do, you know, one every couple of weeks um, because we've both realized that we have other stuff going on and we need to be able to balance it better. So I feel like it takes time to get to that point. But uh, once you've gotten to that point, it's, it's good. You can just maintain that, right? <laughs> Definitely. I feel like it's really easy to let social media kind of consume you. And I feel like there's a constant pressure sometimes like, oh, you see these different things like, oh, you need to post this many times a day or this many times a week if you want to grow your page and whatnot. So it's just I, like you said, I think if there's a fine line and just being able to separate work life from personal life definitely helps. Otherwise, you're just going to get burnt out and whatnot. And it's always quality over quantity, I think. Yeah. And I think that was the issue for us for the first little bit is that we were going over qu- or for quantity, right? Yeah, um, 100%. Versus going over quality, whereas now we're thinking more about quality and more about, like, sustainability and long-term. Definitely. And I think that's, like, a better yeah. route to go, in my opinion. Versus trying to do one every <laughs> week that's super rushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I, I think that actually really uh, segues well, too, into kind of asking how long you've been into fitness, um, even just from a personal standpoint. Because a lot of us don't start this, uh, you know, trek into the fitness industry, you know, and then develop a love and passion for fitness because it's our job. Usually it's a passion beforehand that you turn into a job. Yeah. So what's kind of been your experience with that? Yeah. Um, so I've always kind of been involved with fitness. I grew up doing competitive gymnastics and competitive dance. So both of them are pretty high demand sports. Um, So you have to be quite physically fit and whatnot. And also nutrition plays a huge role. So I think that's kind of what got me into the industry a little bit. But um, like I said, it's really high demand for your body to do gymnastics. And so you're, I don't know, the body's kind of like a ticking time bomb for gymnasts. You only have so many years, right? And so once my body started breaking down, um, I decided to go do more dance, less gymnastics. And I actually, that's when I started um, strength training. I got a gym membership just because it always interested me. I had no idea what I was doing. I would just, I just got a membership at the local, um, local gym in my hometown. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we've all been there. Had no idea what I was doing, but I really enjoyed it. So I got a coach. Um, and so, yeah, she started training me a couple times a week, um, working on my form and whatnot. And yeah, that's where it started. And yeah, I've been, um, working out consistently. I guess it would have been maybe beginning of high school or so. So close to six years or something like that I've been doing it for. Um, I didn't get like super serious about my training until about 
a year ago, I decided to get another coach. So I haven't had a coach for a while, but I decided to get a coach again because I wanted to do a bodybuilding competition eventually. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with like my fitness and whatnot and what got me into it. But yeah, ever since then, I kind of knew I wanted to do something in this industry and then, yeah, decided to take kinesiology. Didn't know if that's what I wanted to do, but I just kind of went for it. Hope for the best. That seems to be how I roll. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so, <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad I did. Um, it all seems to be working out so far. But yeah, just I feel like it all yeah. pretty much started from um, competitive sports, competitive gymnastics and dance, and yeah, it all just came from that, I guess. How long did you do gymnastics and dance for? Sorry, I, I might have missed that. Um, sorry, I didn't say that. So gymnastics, I started when I was two years old, and I did it till I was about 15 or 16. And then dance, I started a little bit later. I think I started when I maybe I was like 13 or 14, and I did it until I graduated. So a few okay. years in dance, but definitely more in gymnastics. And then you've shifted your focus now to competing yeah when, yeah uh, when do you want to compete when's the goal for um, you for that so covid has put a few roadblocks in front of us but i mean the stage is always going to be there i just i honestly don't really see the point in putting my body through a really difficult prep for shows to possibly be canceled this summer with um with everything happening in the world right now so i'm honestly not in a huge not in a huge rush to get on the stage and I'm a very competitive person. I <laughs> I don't like to lose. As, like I know I know a lot of people don't like to lose, but like I really don't like to lose. So I don't mind taking an extra yeah. year and continue to build my physique. Um, I want to make sure I'm competitive when I go and that I'm you know bringing my best package. So we're gonna take another year and keep building. Like I said, I'm not in a rush, and then hopefully next year, if we feel ready and confident, then we'll hit the stage. But yeah, I'm not in any rush. The stage is always gonna be there. So. <laughs> Yeah. COVID has been one of those things, unfortunately, but definitely just roll with it though. Um, what sports did you guys yeah. do growing up or what got you guys like into this industry and just health and fitness wise? You want to go first center? I'm going to go first. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, well, honestly, our, our story is actually, uh, interestingly really interconnected. Um, and to be honest, what started it off was a being teenage boys who, you know, had that desire and excess testosterone to impress yep. women. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, of course. And what really kicked that off was actually finding some 25 pound uh, dumbbell weights in Bryce's uh, dad's garage. Yeah. Um, yep. And the, not being able to lift them. <laughs> oh yeah. my. I remember yeah, that so, we, we grabbed them and we're like, wow, these are heavy. These yeah. Are heavy. Like, yeah. Whoa, bro. Like, Wow, like what if we could like lift these with like one hand one day? And look at you guys now. now. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. Yeah. Now, now they're they're not as hard now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> super super tough, super tough. Yeah. That's actually really funny. But we didn't, and then that actually led to uh, a camping trip, right? And then then we had yeah. the, and then we had this whole uh, fit not fat thing, and that was like a thing for that summer and what is and that, that was lots yeah. of is that... i don't know we were just we were just trying to be more active and we were just trying to we made like a pact i guess to be more active and to um eat healthier and that resulted in me eight years later consistently still training so i guess that's good there we go it did I the trick hey thing. you guys just still have that pact going it seems like well yeah. i mean bryce stuck to the pact i uh <laughs> college got in my way because hey, uh, right. I like to make excuses but we're we're trying to get back there and that's part of the uh, reason the podcast was started there we go uh, yeah. to try and keep me accountable and also you know reignite that passion for uh, fitness instead of you know um, falling into the same traps with you know not being fit so mm-hmm. definitely yeah. do you feel like the podcast has been helping you be a little more accountable and like want to you know spike that passion again for wanting to be fit and whatnot a hundred percent and uh, actually the podcast um i haven't started it yet just because i was studying for my registration exam uh the notorious nclex but i did sign up for a course through um the uh 
National Association of Sports Medicine, NASM, yeah. Uh, yeah. for the uh, uh, certified personal trainer, and then also the nutrition course through them. Oh, so cool. just because it was a little bit cheaper, but I, I do think I'll eventually also check out Precision Nutrition just because I've heard a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. That's um, exciting, though. Good yeah. for you. That's really exciting. Yeah. So hopefully that can kind of... Um, I don't think I'll, I'd ever make uh, personal training my full-time job just because um, my passions and everything are a little bit more focused on like healthcare and the disease process. So uh, I'll probably stick with the registered nursing side um, and eventually advanced practice, but it's definitely something that I think will be useful for my own knowledge. And then, you know, if I ever did want to end up training like a client just for like a side thing, that way it'd be... You know, I'd actually be giving them knowledge that's useful and, you know, up to date and to the industry standard. Definitely. And I feel like there's no such thing as bad education. I mean, like there is bad education, but you know what I mean? Like you can never have enough education. So even if you go and get a nutrition certification and you don't actually use it to make an income, like it's not like a waste of money or a waste of time, right? That that extra knowledge like is going to help you at some point, whether it's for um, tying into your current job or just like for your own health and fitness trying to get somewhere with it right a hundred percent so it's i i i agree there is no you know you can never have enough uh too much education definitely yeah except for when you do (laughs) (laughs) except when you've been in school for years (laughs) yeah you're like i i still live with my mom because uh i i've been paying off student loans i've been in grad school for four years Mm -hmm. and like you know, I'm like 35 and still in school. <laughs> the life of a student. You know, it does get excessive. <laughs> a yeah. permanent student. And I think that is less of a problem with education and more of a problem with like uh, lacking a direction. And, <laughs> uh, as we talked about in like one of our first episodes, like you don't have a definitive why. And that uh, can cause a lot of problems for not having focus to your education, right? Definitely. And I feel like we've all kind of struggled, well, most anyways, have struggled with that. Like if you're doing the right thing and, you know, what your purpose is and whatnot, it's stressful, especially like um, trying to decide what you want to go to school for or whatever it may be. I was a biology major for my first year of university, so I relate. Oh, no way. uh, Quite, (laughs) yeah. So did you get, did both of you ever have like experiences like that with your schooling or whatnot and wanting to know like what? you want to do or did you guys always have a bit of an idea of like where you wanted to be in life oh that's tough uh i started off working construction actually like i was doing electrical for a bit Mm -hmm. um and at some point i just realized that i hated it (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i I hated it Uh, but i didn't know if i'd be able to make enough money doing pt but uh that's kind of where my passion has always been and that's where I could see myself working. So that kind of led to me going to school. Um, but I don't think, I think like you said before though, we've all gone through some point in time where we maybe questioned if we were doing the right thing for ourselves. Um, and I think if you haven't had that, then you're, you're probably lying. I think everybody's (laughs) gone through it at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that helps, that helps. I think that helps reaffirm the, like what you're doing and why you're doing it. Definitely. And I feel like if you enjoy, like, at the end of the day, like, you need enough money to pay your bills and whatnot. But, like, if you do not enjoy what you do for a living, you're going to be miserable and it's going to be a long, miserable life. Like, I don't know. I think that's, like, one thing I always stressed about going to school. I'm like, oh, am I going to school for the right thing? Am I going to be able to, like, live a fun life that I, like, enjoy, whatnot? And at the end of the day, like, if you enjoy what you're like what your profession is you'll never feel like you're working like I know I I feel like I'm working but at the same time like when I like look at it I'm like you know what this is such a chill job I absolutely love what I do and it never feels like at the end of the day I'm like okay like it doesn't really feel like I ended a job that day you know what I mean it's so enjoyable and if you love what you do like you'll never feel like you're working and you're, you're helping people get towards their goal like you're giving them the tools that they need to succeed right so it shouldn't it doesn't really feel like work to me either i mean there's like obviously there's days where like if you have like eight clients or six clients in that day like you're tired but Mm -hmm. like you also just hung out with people for six hours 
Totally. Like that's kind of how I see it, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a lot more fulfilling when you enjoy what you're doing and are passionate about it versus like working for a paycheck. Totally. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's same thing with like uh, nursing. Like nursing is uh, a profession for a reason because it has so many different areas you can work in. And there's been areas where, you know, in eight hour days, like, you know, it, it's hard to get through. And it's not something I'd want to be doing for the next, you know, uh, 10 years or even next year for a job. But there's other areas where, you know, at the end of a 12 hour shift where you're actually staying a half an hour over just because you want to finish something up because you're passionate about the work and you just enjoy, you know, being in that environment. So I've I've seen both the best of both worlds. And I think it's also true with like the fitness industry. It's such a broad area that, you know, you you can outgrow a certain space like. You might be at one of the big box gyms like Good Life or uh, LA Fitness and kind of outgrow it and where it's not igniting your passion anymore. But you know what? It might be what where you end up again in a higher management position because that's where your passion is as you develop in your career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it just takes time. Like you have to, um, no matter what career you choose, like you have to pay your dues and you might not be at your dream spot in your first year of working or whatnot um you might be but you might not be and like that's okay like you gotta you gotta pay your dues and get that experience and like over time you'll figure out what you like and what you don't like and that'll lead you um to where you're gonna be but yeah i feel like you always gotta go through those moments definitely you have to not just want the end goal but be in love with the process too right i think too many people are just so fixated on getting to a certain point where they don't want to have the journey and the experiences along the way but those are what shape you as a person definitely yeah so let's uh touch upon some more of the practical aspects of you know kinesiology and the fitness industry and uh kind of your your company um when you first get a client like what are some of your go-to exercises that you know you're you're giving basically across the board or that you like to um that can be kind of like different or quirky to Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to training my clients, I feel like I st- typically stick to the basics. Obviously, it depends on like their level and their capa- like their capacity and their past experiences, if they have any injuries that they're working through or whatnot. But like overall, I feel like when I'm programming it, I always stick to the basic movements, um, compound movements. I very rarely um, have clients doing a whole bunch of isolation exercises, especially if I'm doing an in-person training session. Um, a lot of the time we're focusing on the bigger compound movements. That's a bit better bang for your buck, um, more functional movements and whatnot. If it's in-person stuff, um, obviously it depends on what their goals are. If their goal is to work, um, like say they have an injury and we're working to recover from that injury, we might be doing more isolation movements. It definitely just depends on what their goal is. Um, But yeah, for the most part, I'd say I stick to compound movements. So that would be anything like lunges, deadlifts, squats, bench presses, overhead press. Um, Yeah, so if you're built like working to build your goal physique, I guess, um, the body that you can build with a just doing solely isolation movements won't come even close to the body that you can build doing compound movements like is that saying that isolation movements are useless no not like not at all they have their place um they're really useful in certain scenarios but like when it comes for your biggest bang for your buck i'd always go towards compound movements i just feel like you're going to get way more results and they're way more functional how about you bryce do you what do you find you um you tend to gravitate towards for certain exercises for your clients um yeah, so kind of like what you said, with a new client, it obviously depends on their training age, um, depends how much experience they have, and usually I will base their program off of the initial assessment. Um, I usually find, just as of lately, that athletes always score pretty high on the assessments, um, whereas people with not much history or not much prior experience typically need a little bit more regress movements in a sense. Um, but I do find that uh, I tend to go with like a, a squat movement. So whether that would be like a single leg squat or a bilateral squat, um, again, I usually like to use a squat to assess function uh, for a single leg movement. 
um, I will always do a couple pull movements, so a high pull and a horizontal pull. Um, I will always do a hinge movement, so depends on, again, the client experience and their um, capabilities, but typically starting off with like a kettlebell hinge. Um, and then I will usually, it depends on the client, but um, I will wait on overhead movements. Um, and then I will usually scale their pressing from like, being more horizontal to being to the point where it's more uh, into like an overhead position of flexion, right? Um, and then I'll usually use arm accessories or arm isolation movements to help complement shoulder stability and working the rotator cuff. Cool. That was a big rant. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah, and me both. <laughs> you and me both. It's always nice to hear like how <laughs> different trainers program and whatnot, though, because we are, we always tend to gravitate towards like what we're more most comfortable with or like wh- how we program for ourselves. So it's always nice to hear um, a different take on things and like reasoning behind certain programming. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to be. I mean, I guess Prescript has helped me a lot in that sense. Um, I used to really. I always love the the big movements obviously like the squatting benching deadlifting uh, even like a pull-up or like an overhead press um, like you mentioned before best bang for your buck when it comes to multi-joint uh, and working different mov- different muscles at the same time um, but I've learned from the choruses lately that you can actually utilize our movements in regards of challenging the rotator cuff in unstable positions so I have been trying to utilize our movements um, like a bicep movement or like a tricep movement to gradually ease a client into the point of being able to overhead press. Like mm-hmm. if they don't have the the prerequisite stability to do like a high incline bicep curl or like a single arm overhead extension, then how do we expect to load them in like a dumbbell shoulder press, right? Definitely. And not worry about them dropping yeah. it on their head kind of thing. Yeah, just like giving them the building blocks to be able to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's just changed a lot. Again, shout out Prescript um, <laughs> with doing their courses. Shameless plug. Uh, that's just opened. It's opened up my my uh, vocabulary of exercises, and it's opened up my way of thinking and changed my thought process. So, again, that's probably how I've changed. And obviously, I'll probably do even more courses that'll change the way that I think. But yeah, definitely. I feel like it's always cool to like take a course like that and just see how how your programming changes even after just taking one course like just opens your mind to a totally different way of programming and looking at things for your clients it opens up the realm right and you realize that like we're just starting in this in this journey and like i think my my biggest eye-opening moment was when i was at good life and um I came out of there thinking I was like this big cock. Like, <laughs> oh, I guess it was an explicit content till then. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. I think I've said one I, uh, or two things. We're all good. <laughs> I uh, I came I came out of came out of there thinking like, oh man, like I I have Nate, you know, I, I have my CSEP, and then um, man, I got humbled really quick. I got humbled really quick. Um, There's this one trainer there, and um, she was level four when I was there, and then I went in at level two. So they have like a leveling system mm-hmm. and she had her can fit. Um, and then at the time uh, I was so wrong. I was like, Oh, you have your can fit. Like, like you're probably not a very good trainer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at like all the other certifications she had and she had like 10 or 15 other certs. <laughs> and she was like easily the best trainer at that location or like one of the best trainers at that location. Mm-hmm. That's and crazy. It just made, it, it just made me realize like, your title doesn't really mean a lot like when it comes down to it like like you could have nothing in regards of your title but you could have so much experience that i can actually equate to that or more exactly i feel like experience is so important in the industry and not to say that you like could have a little like very little experience yet still be a good trainer it's still possible obviously but like I feel like experience totally. is so much more valuable in this industry. Even when you're starting a new job, yeah. I feel like that's what they look for. Um, more so is experience rather than education. Because the exposure is what's going to help you grow and change your your ways of programming and like your outlook on things, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, you can always learn from other people, right? 
Like, and I think that's the big takeaway is like, you know, a level four, you can learn a lot from, but even like, you know, if you're going in at a level two, there might be I, like good life has level ones, right? Uh, I no, they, they typically start at level two. Okay. never mind that. I don't, I, but, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah. But like the, the thing is you could always learn something from people, you know, uh, perceived below you or people like your peers. Um, you know, they, they all might have something valuable that they can teach you and totally. help improve on your, you know, expertise, right? Yeah. Just depends on your skill set, right? And your yeah. experience. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, it was just, it was cool. It was like an eye-opening thing for me. Uh, it made me quickly realize that just because I had Nate did not mean I knew everything. And uh, that's helped me, I think, more though as a coach and as an athlete too, like having a coach that you're more open to criticism. So... Totally. I feel like even just like my first um, full-time do- full-time job out the gate of like from my degree, it was super humbling just to be surrounded by so many like really intelligent people um, and speaking to them all day and picking their brains about different topics and learning how like how they like to um, program and whatnot. Like it's just definitely humbling. Yeah. Um, there's always something to learn from the people around you, especially if you're in the right place surrounded with like the right people. That's one thing I love about uh, getting a massage is I'll always <laughs> pick my RMT's mind when I'm getting a massage. Mm-hmm. And like I'm like, why are you working on that? Like, is it to work on my subs gap? Or I'm like, why are you working on that? Is it to work on this? Yeah, pick their and brain a little she bit. She used to find it kind of annoying, I think. But. <laughs> Fair. I could understand that. Yeah, yeah most people like, relax during massages, Bryce. Um, but, uh, I, not that I guy. Just, I just ask all this anatomy stuff, hey? Always working, always on the clock. Her, yeah. I don't I don't ask her when she's working on my calves. That's a no go. <laughs> That's a no go. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I mean, I guess it's the, an, yeah, an indicator question. you're passionate about it, right? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's that's just come over time, right? But that's uh it's good. But I also need to know when to chill. Like like, <laughs> like we talked about earlier today. Like we talked about earlier today. You need to know how to separate that work and life balance. Definitely. You don't always have to be on the but, clock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you typically gauge when a client's ready to progress or when a client's needing to regress? Um, I think like one of the biggest things that I focus on is their form. Um, I'm never one to you know push oh lift heavier lift heavier and like sacrifice form. Form is always the most important thing at the end of the day to me. I don't want anybody getting injured, and it's all about reinforcing um, good movement patterns. So I think form is a big thing yeah. if they're able to lift the weight with ease and proper form throughout. Um, I also, just mm-hmm. if their strength is getting up, we like to, I used um, RPE quite a lot to gauge how easy or difficult an exercise is. So for those of you listening, um, RPE is rate of physical exertion. So it's um, pretty much how how tired you are, how difficult the exercise was. So if you rate it a one out of 10, that would be, it was pretty easy, but then if you rate it like a mm-hmm. seven or eight out of ten, it was quite difficult. So I tend to use RPE yeah. to gauge how easy or difficult those exercises are, and it can help us decide um, if we should be progressing or regressing. Um, yeah, I feel like those are the biggest things I look at, and if just if their general strength is going up. How about you yeah. guys? Yeah, I'd say the RPE is something I'm very familiar with, just having a bit more of a strength background. Um, but then I also like to use like RIR, which is like pretty much just like the same thing, like reps and reserve. Um, but I typically will try to progress in some way, shape or form, um, via loading, um, looking at proximal or distal loading, mm-hmm. um, based on like extremities. So I guess like a, a simple example of that would be like for a split squat, um, I would be going from like a front foot elevated position, probably doing like a contralateral load, so opposite side, and then progressing simply to like an ipsilateral load. Um, again, just changing hand position. The client won't think it's much, but for me, it'll show like a, a an evaluation of their stability and their anti-rotation. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's a pretty big thing. Cool. And then I think one that's often overlooked is tempo. Definitely. I think tempo is hugely overlooked. I completely agree yeah. i feel like when you start to especially play with tempo it's can... a game changer yeah especially being that you can play with like eccentric and concentric tension right and then like when you're looking at 
lengthened or shortened positions, you can add in tempo to utilize those positions versus just having like just doing eccentric or just doing concentric, right? Definitely. I think that's like something that I've had fun with um, teaching my clients as we progress through their programs that like you don't just always have to be adding more weight onto the bar to get results. Like there's so many other different ways that you can progressive like progressively overload. Um, and once they figured yeah. that out, like it was a game changer, that's for sure. But yeah, it's definitely like a learning curve. And I feel like not a lot of people really understand progressive overload. But um, yeah, once you start to play with things like tempo and whatnot, and even just like focusing on the form or like changing the form a little bit. Um, yeah, it's crazy mm -hmm. the results you can get just from like manipulating a few of those variables. Yeah. Yeah. With a new client, I usually try to stress like... Um, I guess the tempo that I'll say is like a three zero one zero, so like three second eccentric typically, um, just to try to reinforce that neuromuscular pattern. Um, and like you mentioned before, that gives them more time to work on technique, right? Because technique is so important for the first. Well, I mean, it's always important, mm -hmm. but it's especially important for the first like six weeks, right? Definitely getting those good movement patterns figured out. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would be Good your time. favorite thing about being in this, in this industry? <laughs> yeah. Awkward pause. Awkward usually silence. Okay. Um, yeah. you, you usually always once in this, uh, in an episode. <laughs> well, now it's over It took us with. 15 minutes, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's true. That is pretty good. Um, favorite thing about being in this industry? I'd say, honestly, it's mm -hmm. just watching people, um, see the progress that they make as we progress through the, their programs and just watching them fall in love with working out, um, fall in love with like properly fueling their body and just watching this change in mindset with their relationship, like their relationship with um, food and with exercise, just watching their mindset change from the beginning, being worried about fat loss, how many calories they're intaking, um, how many calories they're burning during their exercises, being worried about eating too much food like stepping on the scale and focusing on that and not being able to get their mind off it. So just changing um, the mindset from that to focusing on getting strong, being fit and healthy, living a long and healthy life where you can do the activities that you enjoy, um, learning to fuel your body properly so that you can do the activities that you enjoy and to make progress. Just watching that mindset change, I think that is like one of my favorite things that I can... Yeah, I, ha I feel like that has to be my favorite thing right now about the industry. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's something yeah. else that can uh, top it, but I feel like that's definitely it. How no, about I, you I, think, guys? I think you're probably right there. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I think especially being that when you initially have a client, there's like so many different aspects to training than people think, right? I think that people just think that we count reps. And like maybe maybe we do count reps, but we're also taking into account like how do you sleep, how's your nutrition, how's your stress outside of this, like how is your life at home, like your kids, your family, and everything, like and how it all plays into effect. And like you said, just being able to develop that healthy relationship with food. Um, I think we talked recently on one of your posts about um, carbs. And like, I think I made a little comment about how like, oh, like I shouldn't have to eat carbs, right? Ever, <laughs> and I'll lose weight. Mm -hmm. But like, hilarious. It's like it's like you it's like you said though. It's like being able to understand that like you can you know you can still have foods that you like to have within moderation, and you can still get to the goals you want to be reaching, and just like being realistic instead of having those unrealistic expectations from the start, right? Definitely. And I feel like in this fitness space, it's honestly kind of sad if you go on social media right now looking at fitness stuff, because most of the stuff, like most of the stuff that people are preaching, the messages that they're preaching is all about like beast mode. You have to cut out all of your carbs, like pretty much starve yourself, totally. eat salads. Um, you should be working out to the point where you're feeling sick, like all these ridiculous messages thinking that it's going to help people improve their health and fitness or get their dream physique. Um, yeah, I yeah. honestly just think all of yeah. that stuff is completely ridiculous and unnecessary. And I appreciate that your page preaches something similar to what my page does all about like moderation and, um, honestly just like living a healthy life and developing a good relationship with food and with, um, with physical activity. I just feel like there's so much crap on social media right now. 
um, then it makes the fitness space actually seem terrible. But there's actually some really good content out there. You just have to find the right people to follow, I guess. Yeah, it can be very polluted, right? Definitely. And I feel like when it comes down to it, it's like kind of like a contest. It's like a popularity contest. It's like who can put out the worst content and who can get the, the most exposure with that content? Definitely. And it's honestly exhausting to see. It's like, I feel like a lot of the fitness space has turned to like, oh, I'll just flash my ass and I'll get um, 10,000 followers for it. Right. I feel like that's like the go to and give like some (laughs) crappy information or about like diet and telling people that you eat chicken and rice every single day, living an unsustainable lifestyle. No, like you don't eat chicken and rice every day. Exactly. Like who who do you think you're fooling? And I guess they're fooling a lot of people because people follow them. People believe them, yeah. and it's honestly just ridiculous. But it's almost comical, but like at the same time, pretty sad yeah. that that's what the space is like right now. But once you start totally. following, there are some. I promise, there are some good people to follow on social media. So if you're listening to this, you completely agree that you haven't found any anyone good on social media to follow. You're just in the wrong area. I'm sure there's good ones. I promise. Bryce is one of you, them. You'll find. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, appreciate I think that. like that's like the you know that's definitely a least favorite thing in the industry for I think a lot of people who are uh have any self-respect is like all the bro science um that has always oh, surrounded the Get fitness industry oh my god yeah like like that's all you're talking about is like bro science and like you know there is something to say like you can learn something from someone who doesn't have education but is pretty big at the gym they might you know, have a program that worked for them pretty well because they have the results to show. But, you know, what you might not know is that their, you know, um, their family doctor, nurse practitioner had to put them on a bunch of hypertensives and they have to be on cholesterol meds and they have to go see a Cairo every week because they have so many mis- muscle imbalances and other electrolyte imbalances, uh, have a poor diet because of it, et cetera, et cetera, right? So definitely. It's, it's, it's- it's not just the protein, bro. It's just the protein in my greenies. It's not just the protein in the greenies. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like there, there might be an extra little, you know, poke getting them through. A little something, exactly. something. Exactly. Little, little something, something, something. Exactly. That makes the testes, uh, <laughs> testes shrink. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 one of the it's one of those things. It's just being able to be able to like have a filter. Like imagine like you can just have a filter like you can on, on online, and you can just filter that through all the garbage online, and just put like a, a top a top hit Instagram page, or a most informational Instagram page. That's the way that I've been seeing social media lately. Just have a filter in your brain, and being able to filter out bad and filter, in good content. Exactly. <laughs> a bro science filter. <laughs> no man, it's a science filter. It's not a bro science filter. <laughs> Oh, you're filtering out the bro science, right? So that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I feel like just like that conversation, like just what you were saying, Tanner. It just goes to show, like, um, and I feel like people forget this that like just because a person looks healthy on the outside and that they are fit, um, just because they have a six pack, does not mean that they are actually healthy. Like some of the people that um, have these dream physiques and whatnot that you see on social media, like most of them are some of the most unhealthy people you could possibly imagine and they have many of them have eating disorders use anabolic steroids like it's not what it seems most of the time and you know what shout out shout out to all the like people who do acknowledge that because i do see like quite a few different people posting like oh yeah this is my you know uh competition physique like this was me the day of the show and then they acknowledge like i was super unhealthy there i didn't i had no energy like yeah. This is yeah. not a healthy way to live. Um, yeah. You do it for a comp, obviously, because that's just how the industry is. Should that change? Yeah, probably. But you know what? Like, at least they're acknowledging that's not how you should be living and looking day to day. Definitely. Yeah. I always appreciate it when I see people that actually acknowledge that because it's not like you can't sustain that. It's not healthy in the first place most of the time to get down to that low body fat, body fat percentage, never mind like maintain it. Oh, especially yeah, for women, like, you know, yeah. 
Like, for the males, we, we get lucky because we can have a little bit of a lower body fat to be healthy. But, you mm. know, like, uh, women have to have a higher percentage of body fat to actually have proper hormone regulation and uh, health. And that means that it can be a lot harder to get, like, those super defined shredded abs and still maintain a relative level of health, right? Totally. Exactly. The way that I see it is that Instagram is typically always a highlight reel. So yeah. it's nice to see people that are keeping it more real and being like, yeah, like this was me when I was competing, but this is me now. And like, I think that transparency is what separates you from the people. And like, again, like what Rachel said, like creating unrealistic expectations for everybody. And like, especially for people that don't have much exposure, they go in thinking that like, oh, I can look like that in three months. And it's like, no, you cannot look like that in three months. Yeah. Like, let's state that right now, right? Let's make that very clear. Well, you know what? If you you throw up every uh, meal that you eat and, like, you know, shoot up a bunch of steroids, yeah, you you Then maybe. Then maybe you can. Yeah. Yeah, Depending on how how low your weight is already. Like, if you're, you know, pushing 30 plus on the BMI and you're not already in good shape, there's, uh, you know, there are some potential downsides of... (laughs) Uh, doing that you'll probably end up in the er the emergency room before that mm-hmm. but you know ER, what? pr baby <laughs> yeah, oh ER, just kidding. PR. Just, kidding. <laughs> Good one. just kidding at least oh. one corny joke for the whole podcast gotta do it once. yeah <laughs> that's true um yeah. so kind of to round off the episode uh what kind of advice would you give to someone who's brand new to the industry they want to get into kinesiology or personal training like what would the advice be you'd give them hmm I'd say my biggest advice would just be to like, just be refreshing and be yourself. Like you don't need to, you don't need to flash your ass on social media. You don't need to give all these like false ideas to people that they can lose weight in a week and stuff. Like just be real. That's what people need right now. And that's what the industry needs. So just be real. I feel like that's my biggest piece of advice is just be real. Try to give Um, just try to be helpful and actually benefit people's lives instead of doing it for the paycheck. Like if you're doing it for the paycheck, doing it for the paycheck, then you're in the wrong industry. That's my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. (laughs) That might sound harsh, but that's my biggest piece of advice. Is that you have to have the right intentions before. Yeah. I can't remember which episode that was Tanner, but we talked about that. I think. I was like, if you're in this for money, switch careers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joke's <laughs> on you. Like, <laughs> yeah. The uh, fitness industry is not one that... Pay- it can pay very, very well um, if you're on the top of it. But yeah, like the... You're not making exactly, you know... Uh, you're not going to be making a million bucks right off the bat, you know, yeah. just from yeah. doing it. And like, it is a grind and you need a lot of passion to uh, exceed in the industry. Definitely. It's like the food chain, right? You got to be <laughs> yeah. up there, man. Exactly. The industry needs more, yeah. more good people in it. So, like, if you are passionate about this industry, then like you should go for it. But like, do it for the right reasons and try to help people. It's not for the paycheck at the end of the day. And like, if you're going for the paycheck at the end of the day, if that's the reason you're in that industry, then you should probably find a different industry to hop into. Rachel K, keeping it real as per <laughs> usual. Oh, that was <laughs> harsh. Drop. Sometimes I say things and I don't mean for them to come out harsh, but it just happens. So, you know, it's all right. You know, it's, it's, a, right. it's a reality check for some people. That's true. The, uh, some people have to need to hear though. it. They, they got to like, hear it. And they get like the reality check it, that, you know, chocolate milk is a superior form of milk. <laughs> Bro. Bro we What's your thoughts okay, on we'll chocolate, chocolate milk, milk Bryce? <laughs> we'll end it on a chocolate milk story. Okay. okay. So... When I was, uh, let's say, like, let's say 160 pounds and I was trying to bulk up for the first time, if I had a thousand calories or let's say like 1500 calories left, yep, you guys know where this is going. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. pull out that four liter of chocolate milk no. and just straight down the hatch, just straight <laughs> down the hatch. Yeah. That's savage. Yeah. I mean, I'd usually measure it out and maybe do like a, a thousand mils or maybe like 1500 mils, mm-hmm. but it would be probably about a thousand or 1500 calories of chocolate milk. Oh, oh, so much sugar. That is nasty. All that. Ooh, you're really, and, uh, you're really taking that dirty bulk serious. Hey, and he- here I am 220 <laughs> and here I am 220. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? If it fits your macros, right? It's true. And, uh, dirty it fit, bulk. 
I it fit in my mouth, that's for fits. sure. <laughs> yeah. It fit in my mouth, that's for sure. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel like after a while, like if you if anybody has gone through a bulk, like you'll understand, like near the end, you just hate food and you'll look for whatever quick calories you can get. And if that's like some juice or chocolate milk, like you'll take it. The chocolate milk thing works. It's true. I tell you, it does work. Chocolate milk. It's pretty high in protein and high in carbs there you go you know I, i've really loved my uh my bulk for the last like six years it's been going really well <laughs> continuous um, bulk <laughs> yeah continuous yeah, bulk non-stop uh, no, no change a bulk. A bulk. <laughs> yeah i love that yeah. permabulk <laughs> yeah that's hilarious man that was a but good to, chocolate uh, to wrap this up yeah, it was uh, it was good. Was it worth it to wait for the whole hour? Definitely. <laughs> get, get to that end of the hour. You always need the sound bite at the end of the hour. I was just slamming that chocolate milk that you guys have no idea. Man, you should like you should put in a clip of it. I wish there was like a video right now so you could just like put a clip of you like chugging chugging the chocolate milk. I actually you have chocolate do... milk here. There you go. I have chocolate milk here at home. You know what? There do you like go. a do like a gray, black and gray like uh, video? <laughs> And just put like reenactment. There you go. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna, just chug it. Oh, oh, okay. I, I'll actually, I'll say, listen to the, this week's episode to find out why I'm drinking chocolate milk. <gasps> Brilliant. There you go. And now you guys know why. Mm. And now you know why. You stay till the end. That's, Thank you guys. We love you. That's some good clickbait. We love bait. you. We love you so much. Oh, maybe I'll be shirtless or maybe I'll flash my ass. We'll see. There you go. We'll see. Whatever I feel, gets I feel like I feel like ass. that always does the trick, so might want to give her a shot. Do it for the gram. It's true. Do it for the Do gram. Do it for the gram. <laughs> it's the only way you can make it in the fitness industry. That's uh I think that's what I got from Rachel earlier. That's what I hear anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe Bryce will prove us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you for coming on. We really appreciate the the time and it was great to talk with you and get your opinion on lots of these things and just get to know you better too and we've we've talked on instagram quite a bit but it was nice to actually have you in and talk more in depth about your career and your interests and stuff yeah definitely thank you guys for having me it was a little nerve-wracking but we made it through <laughs> it was a lot of we fun you, thank you, you for thank you for actually talking to us for a full hour and uh actually over almost an hour and a half with our pre-call conversation i know but... it went by quick yeah, that's did, a that's a lot of Bryce and Tanner to deal with. So it is, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. But yeah, where where can people stay up to date with with you and what you post and what you preach? Yeah, so my main um, social media that I use is Instagram. So my social media or my Instagram handle is underscore Rachel K Fit underscore. So it's spelled R A C H E L K A Y Fit. But yeah, that's my Instagram. Um, I post on there pretty often the last week i haven't been like the most present on there just kind of busy with life but yeah i feel like that's like my main um way to keep up to date with what's going on awesome toss her a follow if you're not already <laughs> shameless plug yeah there you go <laughs> but uh yeah thanks for listening guys and we hope you enjoy this episode thanks guys